Today on Day of Destiny, I'm going to share with you an experience with Jesus that I had that changed my life. I believe this story will help you know that if you feel forgotten or abandoned, that this story will tell you something about his love and his thirst for you and your soul. When he said, I thirst on the cross, he was not just thirsting for water. John chapter 19, verse 28 tells us, Jesus cried out, I thirst. Jesus was not just thirsting for water, beloved. Jesus was thirsting for souls to be saved. And also, Jesus was thirsting and identified with every outcast, with every prisoner, with every orphan, with every person who was abandoned. How do we know? Because Jesus said, when you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I want to welcome you today to Day of Destiny podcast. I believe today when you hear the story of the miraculous healing of Rosalie, who was a leper in the Philippines. When you look into the life of someone who is a forgotten little child living in an abandoned place in the Philippines, who also was an orphan, you wonder, was she just a statistic or was she someone that the Heavenly Father was watching over, that the Heavenly Father loved with an everlasting love and sent me all the way to the Philippines to find her. Today, I'm gonna speak to you about the search. That soul winning is not just about giving the message, but it also involves searching for the souls Jesus is looking for. Remember, there's always one in the midst of the multitude that he is thirsting for, like the woman at the well, or like the one who fell among thieves in the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter, beginning in the 25th verse. So today, beloved, I invite you to join me on this podcast. I believe it will challenge you and it will inspire you. It will show you the love of God. And today, I want to also invite you to go to our website at mydayofdestiny.com. And there you will be able to purchase our books and my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. In my book, Secrets of the Anointing, I share about smuggling Bibles into the People's Republic of China many different times in 1980. I want you to pick this book up. It will teach you secrets that I learned from being influenced under the ministry of Catherine Coleman in the early 1970s. So go to mydayofdestiny.com. You can hear our recent podcasts, and I believe that this 
will be a blessing to you. Now, let's go to today's podcast. I love you and I pray that today you will be able to receive a stepping stone into destiny from this podcast. Hello, beloved. I want today to share with you one of the most life-changing events that ever happened in my life. Now, I've had the privilege when I was very, very young, in 1981, in my mid-30s, to meet with the cabinet of Anwar Sadat, the former president of Egypt, and to bring good tidings of the gospel into Abdin Palace in Egypt. I've had the privilege of meeting many dignitaries, such as the President of the Philippines and many First Ladies all throughout Africa, including the First Lady of Sierra Leone. She was in my service when I preached in Sierra Leone many years ago. Also, I've had the privilege of meeting many, many other dignitaries, presidents' wives, people all over the world, persons that most of us would want to meet and get to know. But perhaps the person that affected me the most in my life was Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Many of you may not be familiar with Mother Teresa, but in 1979, she became the Nobel Peace Prize winner. On so many occasions, I had the privilege in the Philippines when I was preaching many times, she would happen to be there when I was there. Also, I had the privilege in India many times to be in the very cities that she was in at the time she was visiting those cities when I went to India on our healing campaigns. But one thing I learned from Mother Teresa was that when you see the poor and the abandoned that there is no one on this earth that should be considered a throwaway. Mother Teresa herself picked up over 60,000 people from the streets of Calcutta, many of which were eaten alive by rats and persons that were lying and dying in the gutter. She brought them to her house in Calcutta, cleaned them, sat with them, and prayed over them and led them into the presence of God just before they died. She left such a huge impression on my life that after she went to heaven, I so wanted to join my ministry to works that were similar to hers in our missions department. And one day, when I was approaching the Philippine Islands, I had received a huge invitation to speak 
and to minister the healing power of God in the Arenetic Coliseum. Back in the day, the Arenetic Coliseum held 35,000 people, and that night it was going to be packed. There were also many other engagements that we were heavily booked on in this particular mission to the Philippines. Speaking in the Supreme Court of the Philippines, speaking even to the owners of one of the most prominent banks in the Philippines, just doing so much mission work. But when our plane began to land, as the morning sun beamed into my seat when I opened the window, I glanced out and began to see the shanty huts one after another as our plane readily and speedily approached the runway. The screeching brakes made it almost impossible to hear the voice of God. But the Almighty spoke to me that very moment. The brakes were touching the runway. And he said to me, I sent you to the Philippines for one person. And I thought to myself, for one, Lord? I felt when he said, I sent you for one, that that one was not just going to be someone I was going to bump into in the crowds. I felt so strong that that one that he sent me to the Philippines for was not going to be in the massive audience packed out with 35,000 people. I felt in my soul that God was telling me, you must search for the one soul that I have sent you to the Philippines for. And so as I began to ponder these words and stare into the rushing traffic as I was hurriedly put into the van, as they whisked us into our place where we stayed, as we were preparing for the evening crusade meeting. When I got to the place of residence, I said to my staff, tomorrow morning, I'm going to rise very early and we are going to go to Tala. Anyone who would like to go with me is welcome to join me. But I want you to know we're not going to get much sleep. We just landed. We have a service tonight. But God is putting something in my heart that is burning. I feel God has sent me to the Philippines for one person. And I feel so strong. That person is in Tala. But that person is not going to come to me. I must follow the footsteps of Jesus and go in search for one soul. You see, Mother Teresa taught us to search for souls, not just to appropriate the gospel only to the souls that we see every single day that come into our midst 
but to also go on a search. And so that day I set out and I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't have much time because we must be back in time to preach the gospel to the multitudes that are waiting for us at the Araneta. You see, Tala was the place of the Jose Rodriguez Hospital. And the Jose Rodriguez Hospital in Tala, Philippines, was a leprosorium. A leprosorium is a place where persons who have contracted Hansen's disease go for treatment and oftentimes go through the process of being rehabilitated back into life after they have been smitten with leprosy. So we rose up early in the morning and much to my surprise, many of my staff members that I thought would want to just snuggle into that bed after being on the plane for so many hours, over 16 hours. And then as we arrived in the Philippines to be whisked into our place of residence. And as soon as our place of residence, we bathed, showered, changed our clothes and hurriedly were escorted into the the. Araneta Coliseum that was swarming with people with the music blasting and thousands of people wanting a touch from the power of God. I just thought for sure after that night, the anointing was so heavy, miracles took place that when I arose early in the morning at 3 a.m., that there would just be maybe one or two staff members that would want to accompany me. But too much to my surprise, my dear sister Marilyn, who travels with me, and many others, they all said, Pastor, we want to go to Tala with you. So we set out on the long journey, taking over three hours from Quezon City, where I was staying, all the way to Tala. And when we got to the Jose Rodriguez Leprosorium. I hurriedly rushed into the administration office and spoke to the head nurse. Now, I want you to know this is not a hospital like one of our pristine hospitals in the United States. This was a hospital in the midst of the province. It was a bit dilapidated. It was a hospital way out where lepers could go and not feel as if they were the outcasts of society. Because you see, in many of the third world countries, whether we realize it or not today, such as countries like Vietnam, there is an epidemic of leprosy. Yes, beloved, even though the cure of leprosy has been discovered, in many third world nations, when a person contracts leprosy, they don't even know that they have it until it begins to spread throughout their body. So I want you to know, we arrived, I spoke to the head nurse, I asked her permission, may I please go through this hospital and pray for as many patients as possible. And of course, we brought her a gift and she said, of course, let me escort you through the hospital. So by this time, it was early in the morning 
and we were all excited as we were whisked by the sweetness of the nurse into ward after ward. I went to the lepers one by one, asked their names, prayed over them. It seemed like an endless, an endless row after row, an endless journey looking for that one soul. But I couldn't find the soul in the first ward. I was so disappointed. I didn't feel, though I had prayed with so many lepers, that one was not in that ward. As we moved quickly into the next ward, ward number two, no, even though there were elderly, there were, there were some people that even the bacterial type of leprosy, which is more of a tuberculin type of leprosy that eats the limbs and the nose, even though there were severe cases, no, it was not any of them. She continued to lead me from ward to ward until finally she said, this is it. And I said to her, isn't there one more ward? And she said to me, there is one more ward, but it's off in the distance. And it is a ward that's not just leprosy patients. It's also diabetic patients. And I said, oh, would you take me to the ward? Somehow within my spirit, I knew that that ward had the resident person I was looking for. I knew it in my spirit. And as sure as Jesus is Lord, I stepped into the room and there she was sitting on the edge of the bed, so skinny, so frail, with what appeared to be a hospital gown on, with her little hair so stringy, so tiny. And as I walked over to her bed, as she sat at the edge of the bed, I was quite impressed because she had in her hand a book. So I asked her, what are you reading, sweetie? And she proceeded to tell me the name of the book. As I stood there a while, I said to her, I came from the United States to pray for you. May I pray for you, sweetie? And she said so politely, yes, ma'am. She looked at me with her huge eyes. And as she lifted her face, I could see the marks, red sores and wounds that looked like stripes on her face that were evident of one of the most difficult strands of leprosy to heal. You see, not all leprosy is bacterial oriented. Not all leprosy is tuberculin oriented. The type this precious one had was the very worst form. It appeared as sores 
all over her body, though her limbs were in perfect tact. As I looked at her, and as I prayed for her, tears began to stream down her sweet little face. And I said to her, Sweetie, would you mind if I put you on my lap and held you in my arms and just rocked you for a few moments? She said, Yes, ma'am, it's okay. So I took her frail little body that must have only weighed 70 something pounds, maybe 80, put her on my lap, wrapped her in my arms, and began to began to rock her. After some time passed, I felt such a bonding of my soul to her soul. I didn't want to leave her, but I knew I had an obligation to the people who invited me and I had to get back to be back in Manila before the traffic was too heavy. So I had to excuse myself from that place. And so I wrote profusely on little yellow stickers that I found in the leprosorium, little notes everywhere I could write and stuck them on her pillow in her book, um, under her pillow, under her book, on her bed. The little sticker that said, Jesus loves you, and Auntie Michelle loves you. I told her this, and I said, Sweetie, every time you feel abandoned or lonely, please read this note. And she was weeping as she read it. As we were leaving, God had provided one of the brethren from the Philippines to accompany us to that leprosarium. His name was Charlie. I turned to him and said, Brother Charlie, please promise me you are going to come back and check upon this girl. Her name was Rosalie. That you will check on her every single month and promise me that next week or within the next two weeks, you will visit her. Please promise me this. And he said, yes, I promise you. So the meetings in Manila were over. Thousands of people were touched by the power of God and hundreds and hundreds of souls were saved in that crusade. I returned home and anxiously awaited to hear from Charlie to see what happened to Rosalie. Immediately two weeks after the trip, we received an email. The email said that Rosalie was totally healed that she no longer was diagnosed with leprosy. But this is just the beginning. I want you to know that after lepros- uh, Rosa- Rosalie's healing, we went back to the Philippines. She joined us in our crusade ministry. She prayed over people. People were being slain in the spirit. She, of course, became born again, filled with the Holy Ghost loves Jesus with all of her heart, since then went back to school, got her degree, became a teacher. She is now a mother and she has a small business. But best of all, she is a staff member 
in the Philippines for our ministry. And oftentimes, because of the sophisticated ways that we can communicate with the third world now through many different um, satellite communication systems, she also is one of our prayer warriors that prays on the line for people to be saved and to come to know Christ. This is amazing. So through the years, Our ministry has had the privilege to support her, to love her, to help her, to launch her into her ministry. You say, Dr. Corral, where did you learn all this? Well, my dear friends, Mother Teresa taught us, you preach the gospel on five fingers. You did it to me. Your five fingers teach you how to preach the gospel. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. The scripture teaches us in verse 34 of Matthew 25, then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Yes, beloved. This is Jesus thirsting in the lives of those who are thirsting for love, thirsting for acceptance, thirsting to know the gospel, thirsting to know he cares, thirsting to know that they can be saved, that they can become born again. The Bible says, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous say to him, Lord, when were you hungry and we fed you? Thirsty and we gave you to drink. When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or when were you naked and we clothed you? Or when were you sick and in prison and we came to you and the king shall answer on that day and say verily I say unto you inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren you have done it unto me notice how Jesus is identifying himself with the afflictions of those who have been abandoned, those who have been left, those who have been forsaken. Notice a prison is a place a person feels abandoned. Notice a person who is sick is someone who needs comfort. Notice what the scripture is saying. When I was naked, you clothed me. I want you to understand clothing the naked is not just limited to the corporal need of wearing clothes. Yes, that is very much a part of it. But also it relates to shame. Have you ever covered someone's shame? When someone is ready to gossip and chew somebody up and down and they're not even there and they're not even able to protect themselves or defend themselves, but behind their back, they're being chewed up and spewed out. Can you, my dear friends, clothe the naked? Can you give someone who's been shamed 
someone who's been humiliated in public, someone who made a mistake. Don't we all make mistakes? Did you know that we serve a God who turns mistakes into miracles? You see, we have that ability to serve the those who are Jesus among us. You might say, Jesus among us? Yes, beloved. This is why the Bible tells us, in all their affliction, he was afflicted, so that we might understand we do not have a high priest that is not able to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but in all points as tested as we yet without sin. So beloved saints, I want you to know today that one of the greatest ministries, greater than the sacrifice of bulls and goats and rams, greater than any sacrifice is the operation of love because love is the fulfillment of the law. This is what the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 13. And I want to conclude with it because you see, beloved, as much as we study scripture and want to be scholarly in our approach to scripture, we want to be biblically correct. We want to raise up a generation that is biblically literate. We do not in any way, shape, or form want to teach a gospel that is not actually challenging God's people to come up to the next level by learning biblical hermeneutics and learning all of the secrets of how to exegete the text. But do you really want to know what God is interested in? More than even that, it is that we would excel in loving one another. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Beloved, as we look at Romans in our closing today, I want you to see, beloved saints, in Romans chapter 13, the text teaches in verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. That means no indebtedness to any person, no approval addictions. Approval addictions can make you feel like you owe somebody something or that we will do anything at all for people to love us. Beloved, you don't have to earn anyone's love. The most important love of all and the most important person to please on this earth is not man, but to please Jesus. And there's nothing more pleasing in his sight than that we should love one another with sacrificial love, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled 
the Torah, has fulfilled the law. That means love covers every single commandment. So that means when I walk in love, I'm walking in the righteousness of God in Christ, and I'm able to lay my life down for my neighbor. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus said, no greater love hath this than a man to lay down his life for his friends. Sometimes, beloved, laying down your life for your friends is not standing in front of a firing squad, even though how can we not give God the praise for those who were willing for their friends to go in front of a firing squad such as Bonhoeffer? But I want you to understand something right now. Laying down your life for your friends is a daily experience. When Paul said, I die daily, what is he dying to? He's dying to his wants. He's dying to his own desires that he might put others before himself. This is why the Bible says, preferring one another in love, preferring my neighbor's need before my own deferring and referring ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Because beloved saints, when we learn the wonderful art of deference, deferring ourselves to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, we will learn that that deference is really a stepping stone to destiny in our own lives. Oh, no man, anything, but to love one another. For he that has loved another has fulfilled the Torah. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today I pray for those in search of souls. I pray you would put an anointing on us to go on a search. I pray, Father God, that we would not be so caught up only in the miraculous manifestation of multiplication that you're bringing to so many of us who have been faithful in the ministry, but God, that we would not just have our eyes on just having our crowds built. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, though we know this is an essential element of evangelization and we definitely want the crowds, but God, we pray that there would be a balance. We pray, Father God, that you would burn in our souls whenever we are on a campaign, wherever we are, whatever we do, that we would follow in the footsteps of Jesus and thirst for the souls that you would send us on a search to find that one who is hidden among us. Let us be willing to go out of our way and out of our comfort zone in order to find hurting, broken, and precious abandoned souls. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen. Now, beloved, fruit of the ministry of what we call hesed. Hesed means loving kindness in Hebrew. One of the fruits of our hesed missionary outreach of Breath of the Spirit Ministries and of my Day of Destiny podcast is this work of hesed around the world. Hesed is the missionary branch of Breath of the Spirit Ministries reaching out to the persecuted church in Pakistan, helping abandoned pastors that need our help, that need our support in India, feeding children who have nothing to eat in the Philippines with daily feeding programs, helping and assisting indigenous villagers in the Philippines and in Uganda and so many other places of the world. I invite you to become a Hesed partner now. And one of the ways you can become a Hesed partner with us is go to our website, breathofthespirit.org. You can do this also by texting to give. You can text today. Text Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, and text it to 77977. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you very soon.